Hello, everyone. I'm Wendy Myers of MyersDetox.com. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Myers Detox podcast. Today, we have a really good show for you. We have my friend Sarah Philippi on the show to talk about breast implant illness. Is explant enough? Is removing your breast implants enough to restore your health? And so this, this topic's really close to my heart because I had my breast implants removed about five years ago. One of the best decisions I ever made for my health. I don't regret it for one minute. Super happy I had it done. Um, but there's a lot of things you want to know before you remove your breast implants and after explant, like what to do to care for your body after explant. Just removing them is, you know, the just the beginning. There's other things that you need to do. And on the show, we're going to be talking about um, all the different toxins that are in breast implants. We'll talk about how implants for some, if the valve is faulty or they fill it with silicone or saline, that the implants could then become a harbor for molds or different uh, bacteria that can then, you know, this uh, Petri dish that can then just be feeding bacteria into your body. We'll talk about the immunosuppressive effects of breast implants when your immune system is constantly having to deal with this toxic burden and it can you know, make your immune system otherwise occupied where it's not able to deal with other infections. And we talk about breast implants contribution to autoimmune illness, lots of really, really important tips on the show that you probably will not hear from your plastic surgeon. And so unfortunately there's a lot of doctors that plastic surgeons, their business is promoting breast implants and their safety and, you know, long-term durability and things like that. But for many thousands of women out there that are in the, these breast implant illness, Facebook groups, the evidence is to the contrary, many thousands, tens of thousands of women are getting sick because it's just another addition to the toxic body burden in our ever so toxic world. So we're going to be exploring all these issues and more on the show today. I know you guys listening are concerned about your body burden of toxins. So I created a quiz that you can take at heavymetalsquiz.com. It takes a couple of minutes. And after you take the quiz, you get your results and then you get a free video series and all of your frequently asked questions on how to detox your body, what kind of tests to take, how long does it take to detox and lots and lots of great videos, free video series after you take that quiz at heavymetalsquiz.com. So our guest today, Sarah Philippi, has a passion for restoring health that has taken her along from a path being an RN to becoming a certified functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, a true cellular detox practitioner, and a breast implant illness expert. Sarah believes that the solution to reversing breast implant illness is about more than just the explant and that we need to all take responsibility for restoring our health by addressing all of the root causes that contribute to chronic illness. It's Sarah's belief that the body has an innate desire to heal if given what it needs. And she focuses on teaching women how to unlock that innate intelligence to heal themselves. You can learn more about Sarah and her work at reversingbreastimplantillness.com. Sarah, thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you so much for having me, Wendy. It's such a pleasure, you know, sharing this really important information with your audience. So I'm, I'm really happy to be doing it. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the health field. You know, like a lot of us, you know, this really comes from a place of, of our own experience with chronic illness, you know, um, this pain to purpose kind of scenario where you go through something, you you discover that the conventional medical model really isn't able to help you in the way that you need help. And so we got on this path of trying to figure it out and, you know, digging for more and trying to learn more and acquiring more education to try to heal our own bodies. And so that's kind of what it was for me as well. I was the picture, I guess I would say of perfect health, as far as the fact that I just, you know, never had a symptom to speak of. I was in great shape. I had, you know, no physical outward, you know, uh, evidence that I was 
you know, in, in poor health of any kind or they're suffering from any kind of conditions. And I was working night shift, um, as a nurse, I had been doing that for five years and was really into physical fitness. And I think that next step for me in my fitness journey or lifestyle was getting breast implants. And, you know, that desire actually came from childhood. I think this is a really important point because we have to be so careful what we speak out loud to our children and just understanding how much they're just like little sponges absorbing the world around them and making meaning out of that. And what you say sticks with them. And that's what kind of happened in my life is that someone really important to me said to me one day when I was probably 10 or so we were talking about, you know, she was saying suck in your stomach, you know, stick out your butt. Like this is all posture stuff. She was trying to teach me to, you know, have a, you know, a beautiful appearance and, um, no one wants to see a belly hanging out like that. Suck it in, <laughs> you know? And then she told me, you know, one another day she had said, um, you're going to be four foot 11, just like me, but don't worry. Cause you're going to have the Johnson boobs. And it was that comment. I think that really stuck with me my entire life, you know, that if I didn't get the Johnson boobs, that there was something wrong with me that I wasn't pretty enough, womanly enough, sexy enough. And I saw my mom, who's also small chested, get teased a lot in our family. And so I didn't want that to be me. You know, I wanted to be in the Johnson boob club and I wanted to fit in and I wanted everyone else to, you know, see that I became what I was supposed to, or what I thought I was supposed to. So fast forward, of course, I finally made that decision that I had been wanting my whole life that I never achieved <laughs> naturally had my breast implants placed and, you know, it wasn't love at first sight. I really struggled uh, emotionally with that, with that new image. When I looked at myself in the mirror, I didn't, it wasn't me. It wasn't my body. It wasn't the body I was used to looking at for the past, you know, 15 years. And yeah. So, when you first get them, they're like up to your neck, <laughs> you know, they, they, they place are them really high. So they, I guess, settle over the next yeah. few years, but it, it's weird looking. Yeah, it is. And so I was doing everything I could to like, get them to settle faster. <laughs> Um, but you know, it was about, I would say within six months, I started developing unusual symptoms that were rather unexplainable. And so, you know, my initial symptoms were fatigue and hair loss, period problems, acne, irritability, anxiety, insomnia, things like that. So I thought, and being really cold, like freezing cold especially at nighttime, I would go to bed with a hot pack because I just couldn't keep my body temperature up and some weight gain, things like that. And so initially I thought, well, this might be my thyroid. I probably should get my thyroid checked. Conventional medicine said, no, your thyroid's fine. Maybe, you know, uh, one thing was low sex drive too. So the comment was maybe you should seek, you know, therapy and further depression or anxiety and maybe, you know, spice up your sex life. <laughs> So, uh, I, I knew that wasn't the answer and I kept digging I kept searching. I finally, you know, found a different doctor, a naturopathic doctor who, you know, I just sent her my labs. I said, if I, you know, spend the time to come and see you, will you treat me? Cause clearly I can see an issue here. And she said, yes, but that approach still was just more of like a bandaid with supplements rather than a medication wasn't ever really getting to the root cause. So symptoms started to progress. I started developing IBS, you know, gas, bloating, loose stool, food intolerances. I could tolerate like almost no foods, severe anxiety to the point where I couldn't really be in public. I couldn't be in large crowds, noise sensitivity, sound, uh, smell sensitivity, chemical sensitivity, any kind of stimulation just threw my nervous system over the edge. I couldn't tolerate my workouts anymore. It was too stressful. I couldn't tolerate any kind of stress whatsoever. My period problems got a lot worse. I ended up developing stage four endometriosis. Mm. And so it, it goes on and on. I, I ended up getting diagnosed with all these different infections and, you know, gut infections and Lyme and all these things that were going on in my body. But what was never explained is why is this happening? <laughs> you know? And I even asked one of my functional doctors who I was working with at the time, because I had the intuition to ask the question, could my breast implants be a part of this picture? 
And, um, his answer was, I think that if we address these infections that your implants won't be a problem, I think your body is just, your immune system is just an overdrive because of all these infections. And so, you know, I put that on the back burner and at the time, no one was talking about breast implants or breast implant illness. I even did a Google search one, one day asking Google, <laughs> you know, uh, symptoms developing after breast implants or breast augmentation and nothing came up. There was nobody talking about this. So I couldn't just go off of a hunch. I just kind of, you know, progressed down this journey of just trying to address all these things that we were discovering on lab work. And I did get up quite a bit better. You know, I did some detox work. I did some detox work with you, Wendy. I, you know, addressed a lot of gut things and, you know, uh, Lyme and things like that. And I, I did get better, probably about 50% better. So that's kind of where my journey started. I ended up going down the path of becoming a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner because of this, so that I could try to figure myself out and then doing more advanced training beyond that, because it, it did require more than that to to heal my own body. It wasn't as simple as diet and lifestyle and things like that. I had to do a lot more. Yeah. And it's, it's really problematic when you're trying to get to the root cause of what's going on with your health, but because your health steadily declines with the breast implants, it's so easy to chalk it up to infections or, Mm -hmm. or other health issues that seem, seem like very obvious causes of your symptoms. Right. Right. It just makes it hard to diagnose what the root cause is. Yeah. And I think there's so much crossover between, you know, as far as like the symptoms you may experience with breast implants um, and all kinds of other disease processes. Right. And so it's really hard to pinpoint, especially at that time in my life where, you know, it wasn't easily accessible or easily discoverable. Um, information on, on, you know, the interwebs. Yes, exactly. And so tell us what is breast implant illness? Because I've been on groups where, you know, there'll be 50,000 women on a Facebook group for breast implant illness, also known as BII. And Mm -hmm. uh, so tell us a little bit of those symptoms, uh, you know, symptom clusters and what that looks like. Yeah. So, you know, I think there is a lot of research that's still needed to really truly understand breast implant illness. There's a lot of theories out there. Um, A few of them are pretty prominent. So, you know, when I talk about breast implant illness and I teach women about this, I generally talk about the fact that, you know, this is a very generalized term and I don't even love the term breast implant illness because it gives the breast implants all of the credit when in my perspective, they really are deserving of just part of the credit. Um, because, you know, I don't believe that chronic illness begins or ensues for, for just one thing because of just one thing. It's usually multiple things that are going on in the body. And so this is kind of more of a generalized term given to this process where vague symptoms, chronic symptoms develop following breast augmentation, either with silicone or saline. And, you know, it can happen at any point, you know, for me, it was fairly quick. Um, for some people, it's even quicker than that. Some people it's within days of augmentation and for others, it could be decades later. They just start you know, developing symptoms out of what seems like out of nowhere. And so it can be characterized by things like chronic fatigue, cognitive dysfunction. So those two things were also things I experienced severe brain fog. I had to read something probably 10, 15 times before I could comprehend it, understand it, and really know what I was reading poor word retrieval, memory loss. So, you know, when you're in mid sentence and you can't think of a really common word or somebody's name, things like that, muscle aches and pains, joint pain, hair loss, uh, weight gain or weight loss, temperature intolerance, low libido, ringing in the ears, heart palpitations, shortness of breath, night sweats, skin rashes, insomnia, hormone imbalances, swollen or tender lymph nodes, um, numbness and tingling, body odor, uh, muscle twitches, vertigo, frequent, frequent urination, sensitivity to light, sound, chemicals, feeling, you know, feeling like you're aging pretty quickly, visual disturbances, liver and kidney dysfunction, GI issues, like I described, food intolerances, 
different infections that are persistent and don't resolve like viruses, bacteria, fungus, parasites, things like that. Difficulty swallowing, chronic inflammation in general. Some people report feeling like they're dying, headaches, dizziness, migraines, mood swings, emotional instability, anxiety, depression, panic attacks, suicidal thoughts. And so it's just such a long list. I mean, that could be anything. It could be (laughs) any symptoms. It's just, that's why it's so difficult Mm -hmm. to gonna pinpoint this. And I had breast implants also. I had mine explanted about, it's going on five years now. Mm -hmm. And, and I definitely, I, I felt like I had pretty good health before, but there was definitely problems. There were definitely issues and fatigue and not sleeping well and trouble, like feeling like a train wreck in the morning. And, uh, there was definitely a lot of symptomology going on that I just thought, Oh, I'm just getting older. You know, mm-hmm. nothing major, but after I had them out, I did feel better. And I was mm-hmm. very, very happy that I explanted. And I think that uh, a big roadblock for me not wanting to explant was worried I was going to have Franken boobs. You know, I was worried mm-hmm. I was going to have, I just, uh, my breasts weren't going to look good or, um, you know, they we wouldn't be big enough anymore, but lo and behold, I have boobs. I have, I like, I like smaller boobs better. I never wanted big, huge boobs that my doctor gave me. And, and most models, they have small breasts, all these supermodels you see in the magazines, they have very small breasts, even though yes. they, they have boobs, they're taped up, they tape them up and put them on push-up bras and <laughs> it, they don't have boobs. So uh, I think, for me, I'm really glad I had it done. Uh, I had a breast lift afterwards. So I do have, you know, I do have some scars, but my scars have healed really, really nicely. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm super, super, super happy that I did it. But, you know, you have to go find the right doctor and, you know, you have to, you don't want to do, you know, budget shopping for, right. you know, explant surgery, which some people mm-hmm. might be prone to do. Yeah, you know, and for me, it costs $15,000. Uh, mm-hmm. It's definitely not cheap. It's not typically covered by insurance. So it's just uh, costs $5,000 to put them in and 15 grand to get them out. So not uh, not an easy pill to swallow. Right. And it's, it's an expensive result of having them placed, you know, having to get them out again. But most people, well, I don't know how many people's doctors tell them that they're not a lifetime device. But more often than not, that's what I hear is that my doctor never told me that I need to get them replaced. And, you know, replacing them every five to 10 years is also very expensive to do. So either way, you know, you're spending money on the maintenance or getting them out. Yeah. I had mine replaced at one point because I, the first time I had my breast done, the doctor cut some ligament that holds your breast to the side. He just didn't do it properly. So I was like the uniboober. I didn't have any cleavage. I had my tissue was raised in the middle of my breasts. Mm -hmm. So I had to go and get a revision at that time. And it was just another $5,000 to do that. It was just uh, just a nightmare. Yeah. It can be a money pit. That's for sure. (laughs) Yes. Yes, it is. And so let's talk about breast implants and how they impact like the body, the hormones, the gut detox Mm -hmm. pathways, et cetera you know, and what, what are, whatever other organs that they can impact. So I think of breast implants as a stressor on the body and a couple of different levels. They're a foreign object, of course. So the body knows they don't belong there. So they're a physical stressor that stimulates and kind of tires out the immune system and they're continuously activating the immune system. And that eventually results in immune dysregulation. And a a lot of people end up with autoimmune conditions um, as part of this picture. And so they can end up overstimulating the immune system. So this can lead to what I have seen is a muted immune response in other aspects like pathogens in the gut or more systemic pathogens. The body is maybe too busy here dealing with this to also fight off what else is going on downstream. Right. And that results in lots of overgrowth of different opportunistic organisms. So bacteria, fungus, like candida, viruses, parasites, things like that. And so they kind of grow unchecked by the immune system. And then I often see reactivation of 
you know, dormant, once dormant pathogens, things like Epstein-Barr can become a problem for some people. Thing, uh, pathogens that cause Lyme and, and their co-infections can also become a problem for some people where it was never a problem before. And so this is where you'll see certain autoimmune triggering bacteria can also be overgrown. Things like Citrobacter, Klebsiella, Provitella, Proteus. And I oftentimes also see low gut immunity on a stool analysis. So low secretory IgA, and that's in every mucous membrane, but we can evaluate it in the gut. And, you know, so that's the, your, your, your body's first line of defense against an, a foreign invader that's entering your body through food or water. So it's an immunoglobulin that binds to pathogens for elimination. And so if you don't have enough of this, if your body has been trying to fight things off for so long that it you know, starts to downregulate production of secretory IgA, then you end up with a really, really poor gut immune function. And that paves the way for even more bugs to colonize and, and create problems in the gut, even more imbalance, even more toxic terrain. And so with this depressed immune system, the gut is left, you know, defenseless. And then secondly, also a part of the same picture, breast implants are a chemical stressor um, because, you know, these are, these implants, especially the silicone implants, but also saline are full of cytotoxic and neurotoxic and carcinogenic chemicals and heavy metals. And those things are highly inflammatory to our cells and our tissues and our organs, in addition to the silicone. And so, you know, we know there are what, like almost 40 different toxic chemicals and heavy metals in, in silicone breast implants. And so these are things like methyl ethyl ketone, cyclohexone, acetone, xylene, phenol. Those are all neurotoxins. And then you have things like di dichloromethane, toluene, benzene. Those are carcinogens. And you have things like talcum powder, formaldehyde, lacquer thinner, printing ink, metal cleaning acid, you know, what are these things doing in breast implants? Right. I mean, who thinks that all of these things are going to be found in their implants. And then you have certain heavy metals like aluminum and tin and lead and platinum. And, um, personally I developed a severe allergic reaction to my wedding bands that are platinum when I had breast implants and, and after I had them out, that reaction went away. I couldn't wear my rings for years because it just created this ring of fire around my finger. And so I think it was because of that, that I developed this reaction to platinum. Platinum isn't typically a high reactive metal, but it, it definitely became that way for me. And so silicone in itself has been called an adjuvant connected to certain autoimmune conditions. So that can also be a trigger for autoimmunity to develop. And so what we have here is this chemical soup. And we know um, from studies that have been done that when silicone implants are heated to body temperature, that can result in gel bleed, silicone gel bleed. So you don't have to have a rupture for these things to be leaching into the lymphatic system and traveling throughout the body and kind of gumming up your drainage organs, your liver and your kidneys, your lymph, things like that. Yeah. I, um, I had that as well. I didn't have an actual rupture, but I went to do a breast exam for breast cancer called a, a, a sonocine. Cause you know, mm. you don't, you can't do mammograms with breast implants. I've had two right. friends, just two friends, uh, in my small circle of friends that, uh, had their breast implants ruptured by mammograms, then they, they don't, can't see through the, the breast implants. Mm. So I had a sonocine, which is like a moving ultrasound and they found silicone all around the tissue of my breast implants and yeah. they were not ruptured when they were removed. And so that's what kind of prompted my decision. Like, okay, these are leaking. It's, it's time to get them out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I didn't have any like evidence per se of silicone bleed or migration of silicone other than just anecdotally, I had swollen lymph nodes, like under my armpits and they would remain like that very, very tender and swollen for weeks at a time before that would finally mobilize again. <laughs> and so, and then even after I had my explant, you know, I had that same symptom on occasion, just for here and there, as things were mobilizing for a good year. 
you know, it takes time for all of this to get out of the body. It's not instantaneous. So we know these things travel through the lymph and there's so much dense lymphatic tissue in the breast area, but it's very easy for these things to get into the lymph and then travel through the body. And, you know, when capsules have been studied under the microscope, they're actually, they look more like lace than, than like a completely closed solid material. So it's like, there's holes there that things can escape from. So it it's definitely not uncommon to have these toxins and silicone make their way to the yeah. Yeah. And, and then, it's just, it's just more, more, you know, toxins for your body to deal with. And so many people's bodies, you know, on the show, we're talking about toxins that so many people have a toxic, really high toxic body burden. There's so yeah. many different chemicals in our environment. You just don't need this internal constant steady stream of toxins adding to what you're already ingesting every single day. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it's not just the, I talk a lot about the silicone implants, but it's not just the silicone implants, you know, saline has its own problems. They all, it also has, you know, a silicone shell and silicone is also considered a neurotoxin that chelates our neurotransmitters. And it's not just coming from breast implants. We are, it's pervasive in the environment. You know, we're, we're finding it in personal care products and, you know, all of our cooking products. And now we're getting away from plastic. We're replacing that with silicone for food storage and, and it's everywhere. So, um, it's this cumulative effect with, with all types of different chemicals. And in addition to the silicone shell for saline implants, they also have, you know, the valve that is used to fill them with saline after they're placed. And it should be a one-way valve, but sometimes it's either defective upon implantation or there's some kind of trauma to the body and it becomes damaged over time, user wear maybe even. And then you have fluid flowing back and forth from the body into the implant and vice versa. And then you have a situation where microbes and the breast tissue is not sterile. So we know there are microbes in the, in the breast tissue can get into the implant, can colonize the implant, can, it can be basically act like a Petri dish. And there's a recent study that was just done where they were able to culture. It was 11 different types of bacteria. Um, and it wasn't in a super high number of patients in the sample size and the study, but, um, you know, it was definitely present as an issue. And so think about how that's impacting the immune system as well. You know, just this chronic infection where there's probably, you know, all these different inflammatory cytokines being recruited. And in addition to the macrophages, which are trying to gobble up the silicone and, you know, it's just it's just creating so much chaos in the body. It's a recipe for a disaster. And, and it's, it's sad. I have a friend of mine that had implants put in and then she had this really, you know, this emergency life into a situation where she was getting pain in her breast. They got really hard. And then she had all these calcifications around the implant that then fused to her rib cage. And when the doctor went to open that up to correct it, they had to have a team of surgeons fly in to do this surgery. Wow. It was crazy. And then she got implants again, this same thing happened again, and she had to have them removed. This time she had to have them removed. Then she got a leukemia diagnosis and she's, oh, she had the implants out and they're healed now. And she wants to Im get implants again. I don't understand. And there's a lot of women out there that are, you know, as my friend Diane Kaiser puts it, they're dying to be beautiful. You know, they right. will just do anything to, uh, you know, alter their bodies that, you know, have this body dysmorphia where they just don't feel attractive unless mm. they can form this, this image they see in a magazine to have fuller breasts. Yeah. Yeah. And that goes back to, you know, I can relate to that too, because, you know, the, the outward appearance was the reason I got mine placed as well. It wasn't like I had a deformity or I had cancer or, you know, anything like that. It was really just like what truly dying to be beautiful. And there was a lot of, I think, mental, emotional work that I had to, you know, work on with myself, um, to get to the place of deciding to explant. 
even though I feel like almost all along, I had that gut instinct, that intuition that they were involved in what I was going through. But, you know, I, I had spent so much money getting them in and I had wanted them my whole life. And, you know, I, by the time I, they settled, I loved them and I didn't want to get rid of them. And like you, I was afraid of what I would look like afterwards. And at the end of the day, for me, what it came down to was the fact that I had had fertility struggles and we had been trying to get pregnant for two years and no success. Um, and I discovered, like I said, stage four endometriosis, and it was this point is crossroads at which I thought, you know, if these implants are contributing to all of these health issues for me, what would they do to a growing fetus inside of me or a breastfeeding baby, you know, because uh, we know they bleed and there's all these chemicals and, you know, the immune response to all of that. And I didn't want to be responsible for that. And I also didn't want to be responsible for never conceiving and, you know, not being able to give myself and my husband or our children. And, you know, I'm still working on trying to conceive, you know, so stage four endometriosis is an uphill battle with fertility. So, um, for me, it was getting to the point of it no longer being about me and just realizing that, you know, the, the family that I wanted, um, was far more important than an outward appearance. And it took learning who I really am inside to come to terms with that and be okay with it. And actually not just be okay with it, but be happy and excited about it. And just learning to love my body exactly how it was created and to see the beauty in that. And I absolutely have no regrets and I'm very happy with the physical appearance. I love them. Even I just have this like newfound appreciation for my small boobs. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I love my small boobs so much. I, and they're not even that small. I'm like, I actually had boobs, you know, and I just didn't know it because I had implants when I was 19, you oh, know, and I was yeah. skinny as a real, I had like, yeah. I, it was just, it's just insanity. The body dysmorphia that yeah. young women developed looking at magazines and models and, you mm-hmm. know, that are hopelessly thin, impossibly thin. And, uh, you know, I had, the, I had a supermodel body. I had a gore, I'm five foot 10 and I was like 128 pounds or something. I had a perfect body. And yet I didn't think <laughs> men would be attracted to me unless I had breasts, complete insanity absolute Mm -hmm. craziness. And, but that was my modus operandi. I just, you know, got implants based on that false belief. Yeah. Same here. (laughs) Yeah. And so, yeah. So if someone is maybe coming to the realization that they may have breast implant illness or that their breast uh, implants are contributing to their symptoms, what are the next steps? What should they do? You know, for me, I have been, you know, mulling over this for quite some time and thinking about it. And so for me, the next step was, you know, researching the right surgeon, you know, to have them removed. Once I did decide to get them out, it was, I I knew I wanted to do it. I had actually been following Dr. Ursula for a couple of years. So I knew that if I made that decision, I was going to go to Costa Rica. And so it's really about you know, finding a surgeon that you feel confident in that you trust that has a proven track record of on block, you know, explant with complete hundred percent capsulectomy. And so what that means is, you know, having the implants removed with the capsules around them intact as one unit without cutting the capsules open, uh, because you don't know with certainty, even imaging is flawed. You don't know with certainty until you get in there, whether there's a rupture or not. And you don't want to risk, I mean, especially with silicone, right? Saline is a different story. You don't want to risk all of that silicone just spilling out into the chest cavity and, you know, even more getting into the lymphatic tissue. So I think that's really important, having them removed safely that way. And then having someone who will go back in and and pick out every little last speck of capsule that's still in there after the implants have been removed, because that is that scar tissue that develops as your immune response, your immune response to those implants. And it can continue to stimulate the immune system if it's left behind. 
And in addition to that, we know that the capsule also can contain bacteria and biofilm and silicone and other toxins that are kind of interwoven into that matrix. So um, it's just really important that, that the capsules come out for someone to have a really good full recovery. Um, so that finding a surgeon who has a really strong proven track record is really important. And I think, like you said, you know, don't go discount shopping for surgeons because it's not in the long run, it's not going to save you money because you're likely going to end up needing a second surgery. Um, if things don't go well, or if you don't get better, you know, you may want to have an exploratory surgery just to see, was it done right? Did they leave capsule behind? you know, um, things like that. And so it becomes even more expensive to try to find somebody to do it for you on a budget. Yeah. And to make sure someone's qualified too, is I was shopping around, I went to a guy in Beverly Hills and he seemed really, uh, amazing. I, I discovered he was a cosmetic surgeon. He wasn't even a plastic surgeon, but people they'll take your money to, to do the yeah. surgery. If you yeah. let them, I will say this, most surgeons who are putting implants in, are not necessarily the same surgeons who are doing all of these explant surgeries properly. So if they're putting implants in, that's their bread and butter. And they're not necessarily going to believe in breast implant illness or that breast implants are causing health problems for you. They're, they're less likely to be on board with that or admit to that. And so you want someone who believes in what you're saying, who believes in breast implant illness and um, because that person is going to do the best thing for you and have your best interest in mind rather than, you know, a bottom dollar or just taking your money. Yeah. I, so I chose my doctor because he had done over 300 explant surgeries and he did a study on them, but even he did not really believe in breast implant illness. I mean, he would mm. tell me, you know, I have, and I didn't come in there saying I have BII, I need help mm -hmm. get these out. I just said, you know, I'm just, they're leaking and I'm ready to have them out. I don't like them anymore. They're too big. And, um, and I said, but can people develop a, can they develop autoimmunity from breast implants? No, there's nothing in the research that supports that with, you know, he said that with absolute certainty, well, mm. can be people develop a sensitivity to their breast implants? No, there's nothing in the research that supports that. Mm. Um, are breast implants toxic? Do they leach toxins into the body? No, there's no research or evidence to support that. And he just total denial. Mm. <laughs> it's just like, and, I'm, and my thought is if you can become sensitive to a strawberry, if you can develop yes. a sensitivity to an eggplant, you can develop a sensitivity and a reaction to breast implants and all of the absolutely. chemicals in them. So that is absolutely on its face, makes zero common sense whatsoever. Uh, you can become sensitive to any chemical or metal or fabric or food that you put into your body. Yeah. The fact that you found someone five years ago who had been, had already done that many is pretty amazing because it wasn't common knowledge back then. And you didn't have, you know, tens of thousands, if not hundred or thousand or more women talking about this and looking for an answer. And so that that's pretty amazing in and of itself. Yeah. I went to Dr. Stoker in Marina Del Rey and he was a very good doctor. You know, I, I'm happy with my explant. But so any other tips or, or steps that women should be taking if they're thinking about removing their implants? So outside of, you know, finding a trustworthy surgeon and interviewing more than one surgeon, I think would be really important to feel confident in your decision and your choice because they're working for you, you know? Um, so you want to hire somebody to remove your implants that you really trust. And as far as Outside of that, um, I would say, you know, doing what you can to clean up your environment, to clean up your body, starting to make diet and lifestyle changes ahead of your surgery, ahead of your explant, you know, cleaning up the foods that you're eating, the water that you're drinking, the air that you're breathing, the the things that you're bringing into the home for cleaning, for personal care, even things like if you're in the market for you know, new carpet or new furniture or paint or you're building a house. Like think about all the different sources of toxic, toxic exposure around you and try to can try to limit or reduce what you can. Don't stress out about all the things you can't control. 
um, just work on the things you can control. And what you can control is what you bring into your home and what you put on your body and in your body. So reducing what's coming in is really important. And then, you know, working on, I wouldn't do a ton of of work on, you know, detoxing and working on the gut and things like that prior to explant, because speaking from personal experience, it's only going to get you so far until you remove that huge, significant source. And for some people, I will say I have had, um, some ladies that I've worked with who have just gotten so much better. They decided I'm not going to explant, but I wonder how many years is it going to take down the line before they're going to see a resurgence of symptoms? It's just a ticking time bomb. And so, you know, focusing on good nutrition, organic diet, things like that, and basic support for the microbiome, opening up, supporting your drainage pathways, or as some people call them detox pathways. So supporting your liver, supporting your kidneys, supporting your lymphatic system, basic nutrients that support methylation and glutathione production and and things like that, I think are really good. It's a good starting point. And then just know that, you know, after your explant, this is like the main message I teach people is that healing is about more than the explant. You know, you can't expect to have the breast implants removed and then instantly be all better, miraculously healed, no problems, you know, all your, all your health conditions or your symptoms are gone. And you see that a lot on social media, which I think gives people this false impression that that's going to be the case for everyone. And it's just not. And, you know, and interestingly enough, the women that I speak with, of course, are the women who either don't get better or get a, you know, quite a bit better in the first month. And then, you know, three, six months, a year down the line, their symptoms return. And I think that we just don't have enough studies. We don't have enough research out there, you know, following women long-term post-explant to know what percentage of women truly heal and get better with just the explant. You know, we have these like 30 day, you know, following women for 30 days, which 30 days is nothing, you know, what's happening after that. And, you know, maybe it's true that some people are, you know, remaining symptom-free or significantly less symptoms for, you know, the rest of their life. You know, that's not the people I see. (laughs) Yeah, no, there's definitely a lot of work to be done. And so so what can people expect after explant surgery? What can they look forward to? (laughs) So, uh, you know, for me, I, I don't know what you experienced Wendy, but, um, for me, I I had done so much work before that I didn't see this like huge transformation. It wasn't super noticeable, but I did notice that I just felt less tense. I felt lighter. I felt more at peace and other people noticed it as well. People, when I spoke with them said, you just, you're coming across your energy feels different. You just don't feel you, you, you sound and you look and you feel like just softer. You have this softness to you. You're not so aggressive and tense. And so that was an interesting shift. I think, you know, it was just causing me to remain in this state of fight or flight and having those removed allowed my body to just take a deep breath, you know, start to get out of that fight or flight. And so you may experience, you know, a a change in your symptoms, improvement in your symptoms or reversal of some symptoms. I would say that, you know, and cosmetically it's for some people, it can be a real shock to look at your breasts for the first time. And just know though, that over the next, you know, up to a year, they're going to change so much. Mine changed every day for quite some time. And then, you know, they continue to change for up to a year. So not only do we need to, um, you know, work on cleaning up the downstream effect of having had breast implants, you know, the toxicity aspect, all the, you know, the fact that it's feeding unwanted pathogens and cleaning up the microbiome and working on balancing that out again, and then restoring, you know, the balance to the immune system. But we also need to take a look at what else could be contributing to this picture. And so that is also part of, you know, what I teach people is looking beyond the breast implants. So, you know, for me, it was looking at, you know, what other toxic exposures do I have? 
Um, I did, you know, a lot of work looking into, do I have any mold in the home? You know, do I have any root canals? Do I have just any other toxic exposures I wasn't aware of? And so it does oftentimes involve looking a bit deeper so you can get the big picture of everything that's contributing to the dysregulation in the body so that you can address all those things and relieve enough stress on the body so that it can heal itself so that it wants to heal itself. And it, it will do that. So that is basically how I approach healing is not, not just the explant, but not just the detox work, not just the gut work, but looking at what other stressors are contributing to this picture. And I think that's really a, a hugely missed factor because like I say, people often assume that breast implants are the only problem and that getting them out is going to solve all their problems. And it's just not the case for most people. So we have to just look at the big picture here. Take stock of, you know, other things in your life. Yeah. And it's just the beginning getting the implants out. It's just the beginning. And then you have healing. Like I had, I had drains and, you know, for a few days after the surgery and, you know, it was not the, the easiest surgery to, to have, but you know, you get through it and you get through the pain and, you know, you move forward with your life. And, the, and I think there's also, it's really important to work on this emotional trauma aspect or this, Absolutely. you know, this self-hatred, worthlessness, powerlessness, uh, and other loneliness or other kind of emotional, you know, low frequency, negative emotions and emotional traumas that women have mm-hmm. that contribute to them wanting the implants in the first place or not wanting to have them removed because you know the man that loves you is going to love your soul he's not going to be focused on your your breasts and them looking perfect you know what i'm saying absolutely and absolutely. so yeah and so and so do you work with people to to help them move through this transition to removing their breast mm-hmm. implants and healing yes so most of the people that i work with are post explant I work with some very, very sick ladies who have had the implants out and are still not better. And so that is the reason my focus is on not just, you know, the, the downstream work, but also still continuing to dig for and discover those more upstream root causes that are also contributing to the picture that are preventing healing. And, um, I am working on putting together a pre-explant prep uh, program so that people can go into their explant, you know, as prepared, preparing their body as much as possible for, you know, a really good outcome and handling the surgery really well and, you know, healing really well postoperatively. So that'll be coming the beginning of next year. That's fantastic. Cause there's so much that you can do to, to yeah. prep your body. I mean, for any surgery, but especially for, for this one, you, you definitely want to be prepared so that you have you know, you deal with the anesthesia and then you have the most successful yeah. chance of healing as best that you can having the least burden on your body. So I think that's brilliant that you're doing this. It's so needed. Uh, any of you guys listening out there that have breast implants, you know, you might want to think about, you know, removing this toxic body burden, even though they look great. Like my boobs look great when I, before I had them removed and I was very, yeah. but I felt kind of matronly. I felt like I'd gained a little bit of weight and I had these big boobs. They'd gotten a lot bigger. They'd turned from C's to D's. And I just felt like they were so huge. And I felt very matronly. I felt like they made me look older, you know, mm. not all, not all women, they feel that way. They feel like their breasts look great. And that makes it even harder to make that decision. But, you know, when your health is on the line, you know, if, if you don't have your health, you don't have anything, <laughs> you know? Yeah health is well. So that should be your priority. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, you look so great, Wendy. And I just, what I typically see, it's just amazing to watch. It's almost like people reverse age. Yes. Um, getting these implants out. They just start looking, their skin starts looking brighter and less wrinkled and just more vibrant and youthful. So it's really pr- pretty fascinating to see. 
Yeah, I definitely felt better. I've continued to feel better and better and better and better since I had my implants out about five years ago. And really, I mean, it's just amazing how the, this health journey, I've been doing this for over 10 years, just with this podcast and my website, and I feel better and better and better and better. You really reap the rewards of making better decisions for, for your health. Um, so yeah. Sarah, thanks so much for coming on the show. Why don't you tell us where we can find you? and where people can work with you if they want to remove their breast implants. Yeah. So my website is reversingbreastimplantillness.com and then just social media. So Facebook and Instagram is the exact same handle reversing breast implant illness. And then you can take a look at my work and what I, what I offer, what I do on my website. It's on the detox tab on my website. So lots of information there about exactly what you, you know, would be doing working with me and a little bit about a little bit more about my own journey as well and how I got here. So, um, lots of resources on that website too. And so if you're looking for a surgeon, if you're looking for additional resources and support, you're early on in this journey, you might find some helpful things there for you. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for this uh, resource that you created for women. There's going to be much, much more demand in the future for it. I, I believe as women start experiencing symptoms and, having just a number of different events contribute to their illness. uh, One of them being the breast implant. So thank you so much for the the work that you're doing in this and, you know, bringing awareness to this potential underlying root cause of women's health issues. Yeah, of course. And it's just such a pleasure and it brings a lot of joy to my life, just seeing people get better and just claim victory over their health and be able to, just take charge of that and be in control of that. It's pretty amazing. It's just very empowering. Yes. Yeah. And absolutely. It's removing your breast implants and reclaiming your natural body is Mm -hmm. incredibly empowering, even though it doesn't seem so in the beginning before you have them out. (laughs) Well, Sarah, thanks for coming on the show and everyone. I'm Wendy Myers. Thanks so much for tuning into the Myers Detox podcast every week, where I love discussing all these different topics around how to dramatically improve your health by removing toxins and things that, you know, emit toxins in your body. So thanks for tuning in every week. I so appreciate your presence here with me and uh, and going on this journey with you uh, on your health. So thanks for tuning in. I'm Wendy Myers at MyersDetox.com. I will talk to you guys next week. The Myers Detox Podcast is created and hosted by Wendy Myers. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Wendy Myers and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.